People love him already. He's got the uh, Rhode Island twang. The long pass to Moore and a pin block from Martin. Tune in to Cam's corner. He's going <laughs> to make it here. Draws the foul for another Rhode Island in one. Podcast his own podcast. It's good off the backboard and in. Trying to break. And we are back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Cam's Corner Season 3, Episode 10 and Episode 78. Overall, we're on the way to 100. So thank you guys so much for all the support. But today joining me, Mason Scott Santos, otherwise known as DJ Finesse, a.k.a. the crowd favorite. So if you're from Rhode Island, you've seen him at PC Men's Friars Games, rocking the amp, and he's rocking his own podcast as well with a bunch of other projects. So DJ, thank you for joining me. What do you prefer to be called? you got a bunch of names. You know, you're known as a lot of names. What's your preferred name? Ton- tons of AKAs, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, any time, any space, I get a chance to really kind of just connect with some people. I take advantage of that. So thanks for having me on, Cam. I appreciate you. No, um, of course. It, just, it, it doesn't matter, man. I mean, people have met me. And, you know, if I played basketball, it was Scott growing up. Um, I went to college. Actually, URI first. Uh, it was Mason there. And then obviously, you know, when Finesse hit, it's Finesse. So people are like, what do I call you? Well, you know, depends on when you met me. So if yeah. you met me as Finesse, it's Finesse. You met me as Scott. It's Scott met me at Mason is Mason. So a bunch of AKs. So finesse is great for this interview. Makes sense. Sounds great. Yeah. And I know you, yeah. of course, from, from PC men's fires games, uh, yeah. you know, growing up as a PC fan and uh, I know I met you all right. It's a little controversial, but I'm, I'm PC all, all right <laughs> to die. So, um, yeah. and I wear that proud, but, but before we get into all the experience you've been able to, to have things like that all around Rhode Island, uh, for the viewers that don't know, you are from Rhode Island. Just talk about the part of Rhode Island where you are from and where the part, uh, the passion that, uh, sparked up everything that you're doing now, where that came from. Yeah, so I'm born and raised in East Providence uh, with my mom, my dad. My mom's uh, since passed about three years ago. Uh, so my, my older brother and I, East Providence, went to East Providence High School, graduated there, went to URI for three years, uh, talent development, uh, transferred from URI to Rhode Island College, um, went there for two years. So people understand that, you know, everyone's path is a little bit different when it comes to education. So five years and didn't finish, but I got signed a recording contract. So I was out the door. I was 20, 21. Like who wouldn't do it? Right. Uh, promised mom and dad that I go back and get my degree. So, you know, with the whole finesse thing and, you know, traveling the world and DJing for, you know, bad boy records and doing all that stuff, you know, BT, VH1, just a great, great career. I uh, went back to Rick at 40 and then got my degree in criminal justice. So, um, I've got a lot of stuff that's that are, that's going on. I've been blessed to have a long career that's still flourishing now. And, you know, with the, with the emergence of social media, you get to kind of like rebrand yourself, right? So um, I'm probably hotter now than ever, even like working for Bad Boy Records, which is kind of crazy. So born and raised Rhode Island right here, Rhode Island bred. Gotcha. Yeah. And and kind of a similar path to me, too. I, well, I started off at Rick um, for my college yeah. career, and I just transferred to URI last year. So this is technically my last academic year. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to do like a postgrad or anything like that, but my main focus is sports media, sports yeah. broadcasting, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, again, like I said, happy to pick your brain, happy to be able to pick as many people's brains as I have been in this industry and see what their paths have been going like. And I saw that uh, on your website, you, your son, Jaron, he was on my podcast. He was one of my first guests. Uh, when he was really? at Dartmouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, yep. what's up. That's awesome. He, um, so given that, of course, he's played basketball, of course, his whole life. What's your yeah. sports background? Like, you know, just talk about like the athletes and, teams that you grew up watching and that have inspired you to do what you do too. Yeah. So I was, um, I was a late bloomer, man. And I almost felt bad for my son, but he was a little bit taller than I was. So um, I didn't make all state. I was kind of like honorable mention here in high school. 
uh, and kind of like dating myself. So I'm 54. So my senior year, we didn't have a three point line. So it came the next year, it came the <laughs> next year. So I'm dating myself. We didn't have a three point line um, in high school in Rhode Island. Uh, so I went to URI and grew seven inches there, seven inches in URI in three years. And, and my junior year, I'd probably just say, you know, like this, I tell people that there's never a loss, right? It's just lessons. Like you learn, you learn more from losses than you do in wins, in my opinion, just my opinion. So, you know, three, uh, in my three years that you arrived, with seven inches, I was like really, really good. So like my, my height, uh, I kind of grew the talent matched the height or the height. Once I, once I got a little taller, the talent was a lot different. Um, and I was supposed to play my junior year. I was supposed to walk on my junior year. I, I was that good. And that's a whole nother story um, that we don't have time for as far as you know, <laughs> not making that team. Uh, and when I left URI after not walking on my junior year, I was really focused on music, but I had, um, I had two scholarship offers. I had one to Bryant um, that summer as I was transferring one to Bryant. At the time it was Bryant College, not Bryant University. Had an offer there and an offer at Lowell University. So Division two. So you can tell I was like the talent was there. Um, unfortunately, those it was during the summertime, and both had used up their their um, scholarship dollars. So the question was, you know, if I could pay my first semester, money would open, and then I'd be, you know, they would put me on scholarship. But you know, looking back, you know, if I was a La Lamar Odom, they'd have found that money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So they'd have found the money if I was that that good. So, but it's good to know that I was I was at least good enough to have that kind of interest. Um, so, you know, my, you know, I grew up playing against Ed Cooley, right? Ed was my age. So playing against Ed and Abdul Abdullah, you know, Ed going yep. to Stonehill, Abdul going to going to PC, um, you know, Jamal Gomes, who was at Stonehill, you know, the coach at Hendrickson. For so sure, those are yeah. guys that, you know, playing with Trent Forbes and, you know, that really good basketball league on Smith Street where you had like just pros. Like, so if you were a baller, you played in that, you know, in that Smith Street league. So, you know, I grew up chasing my brother, three years older, who was really, really good. He got a scholarship to Bryant. So we come from that kind of pedigree. Um, so if you went to Rick, then, you know, Alex Butler, that is, that is my brother-in-law. He's the second leading scorer in Rick history, right? So we come from a basketball family. Um, my cousin, Stephanie Perry, uh, who's older than my brother, she's now going to be close to 60. She's, she's still the leading scorer in Rhode Island history. She was McDonald's All-American. Um, and with no three-point line. I think she averaged like 35 with no three-point line. Wow. So she still holds the record in Rhode Island history. And I think it was just three years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's McDonald's All-American. So we come from that kind of family. Um, so that's the kind of, that's why I grew up is, is, you know, playing basketball from here to John Hope to Southside Boys Club. So we just went around and played basketball, man. You know, every chance we got. So Fox Point, there's every place we could play. We were just playing basketball. So yeah. that was my first, that was my first love. Right, and and your son, like I said, he carried on that that legacy and that family uh, mantra of of going to Dartmouth, and um, it was fun to pick his brain too. Uh, this was, I think, my this was like a year and a half ago. I spoke to him. Wow, um, I was still at Rick, so yeah, that's really I was cool. just yeah, I was just getting this started up, and I go on your website, doing a little research, and I'm like, oh my god, that's JC, and I was like, yeah. oh, it's his dad. Like it was, it was cool <laughs> yeah. to see. And congrats on the podcast, brother. Doing I appreciate that. Really Thank you stuff. so much. Absolutely. Thank you, and yeah. going along with your your career and everything like that. Obviously, you said. Um, your junior year was a little bit of a it was a little bit of complication, but throughout your whole entire career, DJing, music producing, hosting events, writing books, podcasting, all this stuff, right? When you look back at the start of everything, what was your mindset getting into your your first industry, and what was your end goal at the end of the day? Once you decided that basketball wasn't going to be in your future, I think I was always hip hop. 
you know, um, being 54, so from Rhode Island, I, I was introduced to hip hop probably 19, you know, probably like more 79. I was like 10 years old, 11 years old, you know, um, when Sugar Hill Gang hit. So I think that I was always interested in this culture that was just really starting up, right? 73 is when it like really kind of hit New York City. Um, so I was four at that time. So I think that, you know, no matter what, you know, that music, I was always into music. You know, my parents played it all through the house. You know, that is, I think everyone, everyone's parent plays music when it's time to clean the house, right? Whether it be <laughs> rock and roll, it just doesn't matter, right? You hear the music, it's like, okay, it's Saturday morning, the music's playing, you, you smell some coffee, maybe some <laughs> bacon, it's time to clean, right? <laughs> That's every household, no matter what, no matter what kind of music it is. So we grew up listening to a lot of, you know, like, you know, the Earth, Wind & Fire, a lot of funk, a lot of R&B, you know, oldies, the Motown. Um, so music was always ingrained in me. Um, I just didn't know to what extent it would really turn, but I knew that um, something about this hip hop thing, man, I wanted in, I wanted in on a big level. Um, so I was in a, I was in a hip hop group actually. And I think what the claim to fame for me, what really helped me realize the level that I wanted to get to was, was actually URI my freshman year. Um, it was Master Ace. Master Ace uh, is a hip hop legend. Uh, from, you know, the Juice Crew, you know, Master Ace, Big Daddy Kane, you know, that whole crew in New York City. And he was a senior. So he was a Master Ace went to URI. So he's in their Hall of Fame. Um, and so I got to meet him as a freshman, which was crazy. Um, just kind of connecting with him. Didn't know who he really was, but knew he was he was rapping and on the radio station. And he was just it was just a, he was a dope, dope person. And he's a friend of mine to this day. So every every opportunity I got, um, I would leave URI long weekends and go to going to Brooklyn, Queens. So I was running around New York City, you know, 89, 90, kind of getting that early 90s, like real golden era of hip hop introduction straight from New York City. Um, so I, I knew then, I knew like, okay, this is this is massive. Um, and being in a hip hop group, I was the DJ, but just kind of always, you know, I'm, I'm a forward thinker. Um, I like to think that I'm pretty good at marketing and how to, present myself and how to pitch myself and then add value. So once I saw like, you know, what we weren't doing well as a group, um, I was able to branch off and just kind of do the DJ thing because DJs were getting paid. And you know, now the DJs get paid more than artists, right? So once I saw that we could be our own artists and that we could get booked like artists and make artists money, that's when I branched off. I'm like, okay, you know what? It's time to like do the finesse thing. The group thing is great. I love those guys, but we were just making some poor decisions and I just couldn't afford to keep making poor decisions. Uh, so I figured like, you know what, I'm going to put my career in my own hands as a DJ and branched off and then the rest is history. Yeah. Where does that name finesse come from, from the earlier state? Was it oh from like the hip hop group? Bro, they're going to laugh. Cam, this, this is, listen, you're getting it because no one's ever, you know what's crazy? You're the first one to really ask me this on a podcast. Really? Dude. So I'm glad you're sitting down. This, this is hilarious. I can't make this up. It's my junior year. Um, again, torn between going out to play, you know, going out to walk on, and I'm on the radio station for the first time at 90.3 WRIU. Yeah. yeah. And it was a sat. We had a Saturday morning show from 10 a.m. to noon. It was called Strictly Business Rap Show. We had taken the concept from New York City called the In Control Rap Show, and we kind of tweaked our own thing and you know it was it, it was dope we really set it up um my man dj michael and i didn't have a name i didn't have a name yet i'm like okay like like oh like 
damn, I don't really have a name on the, on the radio station. And so we are going out Friday night, we're drinking and, you know, with college, yeah. you know, there's parties from Wednesday on. Right. And I'm not sure how it was when you were there or when you're there now, but imagine. So my sophomore year, we were ranked number two in the nation for a party school. You are right. So wow. you could find something every single night and being a social butterfly, your boy found it. I found, <laughs> I found right dorms and frat parties. So it's a Friday night, man. We're out late drinking, you know, doing what college kids do. I wake up hungover Saturday morning. I still have no name. It's 9 a.m. I'm like, I need to hop in the shower, man. So I hopped in the shower. I looked, <laughs> I looked over and there's a bottle of finesse shampoo. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, DJ Finesse. I'm like, there it came from a bottle of shampoo, bro. Wow. Literally. That was it. After I'm thinking the story's going to come from some party. Something happened. No, man. It was, no, no. Shower. Trying to wow. wake up and get ready. Hung over for my first show with no name. And I'm like, lo and behold, here I am in the shower, washing my hair with a bottle of finesse shampoo. So and Cam's Corner is Corners, the first time you've told that on a podcast. How about that? I don't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, most folks have never asked, right? Yeah, so yeah. imagine if that was like head and shoulders. Mm. What would my DJ name be? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, suave or pert or something like, like imagine that. So mm. it was finesse. And so yeah. it just, just kind of rang. It made sense. And it's like I was, you know, finesse things and my style was kind of finesse. So it just kind of really, kind of really matched. Yeah. And I love That's like talking to, right. I love, I love talking to everybody that I've, I've been to like athletes, coaches, whoever it is um, about the early stages, about how everything yeah. really started. Um, so going back to like that topic, I guess, like your first big break, you were talking about a little bit with like the the hip hop group and things like that. But just like looking back at it, um, what do you feel like one of your like biggest break was? What are your biggest breaks were that put you on the map? Um, you know, and how did you land that opportunity too? So great question. I would, you know, look, if there's a nugget within the question, I would literally say that um, it's not only creating, but it's maintaining relationships that they run the world, that they truly run the world. And I would say, you know, chance meetings. Like I could tell you story upon story, and I'll just tell one as far as the answer to the question, like chance meetings. So, mm -hmm. you know, how do I, as a freshman, get to connect with Mass Days as a senior? Like most seniors and freshmen, don't they don't hang out. Like we know that, right? Like you might meet a couple of them, they're cool, but they don't really get into your circle. So how do I get into Master Ace's circle as a senior? Right. In such a short time that when he leaves campus, I can still go back and visit him. So I know Master Ace, obviously. I go back to visit Ace. There's a there's a uh a station that used to be called um WBRU, right? On Sundays here in Rhode Island, uh from Brown University. So WBRU was throwing this huge, huge hip hop concert. Um, and long story short, one of the artists was Special Ed, right? Uh, Special Ed is another icon in hip hop. And I know Ace and Ed did a song together called Crooklyn Dodgers. So I'm backstage being finessed. I see Ed. Ed just came off the stage. I approach Ed, dap him up, introduce myself. Ed, finesse, positive blah. Ed goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ace, Ace, tell me about you. Like, yo, like, screw up here. Have you connect with my man, finesse, blah, blah. Like, he's a good, good dude. Um. So, so Special Ed and I connect. So now we start doing uh, uh, industry night, Ed and I. Ed is coming from Brooklyn every Thursday. He's bringing artists with him every 
Thursday to Providence. He's driving from Brooklyn, bringing artists every Thursday. The last artist he brought was Ice-T. So Ice-T pulls up in the big body bends. Like, so here's Ice-T, so he's bringing every week. So unfortunately, um, the night wasn't doing too well. Like, so the promoter was more promoting in mass. I don't know why, but he wasn't really promoting in Rhode Island. So here, you know, you have an icon or icons in hip hop who are coming to Rhode Island on a Thursday night, every single Thursday with Ed being the host. And he's just bringing, you know, artist after artist. And so he comes to me and he says, hey, man, look, I'm about to go on uh, BET and do uh, 106 in Park. And at the time it was AJ and Free. He's like, I'm going to do, you know, uh, Freestyle Friday. They want me to do I Got It Made. And he said, um, you know, I'll trade you if you can give me two free nights here. Now, mind you, this is 1999. So here I am making $500 for two hours in 99 um, at a club that I'm already making another 500 on the Saturday. So I'm making $1,000 in four hours in 99. That's just, just one, one spot. Right. So I'm doing really well mm -hmm. um, financially. <clears throat> And so for me, it was an easy math problem. It was like, okay, hold on. I'm about to go on and do BT with millions of viewers and for two for $1,000. So what I said to Ed was, I said, listen, for the time that you're here, Ed, in Providence, promoting this industry night, I don't need to get paid. Because I just I did the math. Like That was yeah. like what he was about to do for me. You couldn't put a price tag on. So for me, what I did, you know, for him, I'm like, bro, like, I'm good. Like, don't pay me. I'm good. Like, what's going to happen after me going on this show? My, my anticipation was that's the break. So to answer your question, so Ed and I go on to, to do um, BET, uh, 106 in Park, and we do that. Before I left, he set it up. I went and did Rap City with Big Ticket at the time. When I came off Rap City, every single record label was calling me. Every label. Every wow. label you can think about was calling me to send me at the time. It was, you know, it wasn't downloads. It was still vinyl. And then vinyl was transferring to CDs before you got to, you know, the streams and the, and the downloads. So, I mean, every single record label in my garage is loaded with, I mean, I got to, you know, we're talking about FedEx and uh, U UPS and, you know, every like two days, like at my door, dropping off stacks of records from, you name it, from Columbia, Universal, Interscope, Sony, RCA, Bad Boy, um, everything, Def Jam, you know, every label. So that was my break. And again, if you, you know, the nugget is, you know, what if Master Ace and I weren't on good terms? That special ed conversation doesn't happen, right? I don't meet with Ed. Ed doesn't come to Providence. Ed doesn't offer me to go to BET. So maintaining that relationship with Master Ace, right? That chance meeting with Ace, chance meeting with, Ma with Special Ed. I know Ed was coming to town until he was in town. I saw the concert and here I am backstage. So um, maintaining you know, those relationships and then also to kind of understanding the lay of the land, where you are. And then, um, you know, that uh, those chance meetings that can really, really matter later on in life, as long as you maintain a really good relationship. For sure. Yeah. Like stuff like this. And, and like you said, maintaining that that relationship. I see people in the sports industry all the time down at URI, you know, being an A-10 school, right. uh, Division One school, like they're always down there. People like uh, that I've had on like Nick Coit and Ian yep. Steele who work at ABC6 and yep. um, just the name people, of, man. Yeah. They're just great, yep. great people. And like just yeah. to have those again, just to see them all the time, for them to know my name, for them to know what I'm doing, to see the work like 
um, working in these like little internship jobs and, and to keep those relationships over the years. Well, like I said, I can see it opening up myself, like setting myself up for a big time, like break like that, you know? Yep. Um, but, and it's not along, just, you know what too? It's, yeah. it's not just, and it's also too, I think there's the flip side to that is, you know, how, how do I add value? So it just yeah. can't be that I'm asking for something to happen. Right. So now you realize that, you know, you got to produce you know, too. Yeah, like like you know, Ed is so much more. Like I've booked special ed, I've gotten him paid, I've gotten Master Ace paid. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. they're much more apt to do something for you when there's when you know that 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 symbiotic relationship it just works both ways, right? So you got to bring something to the table. It just can't be always you, you with a handout. So I think the more value you add, um, it comes back, right? So I'm always looking at okay, how can I do something for Ed? How can I do something for Ace? Like, what do I have that that could be of value to them? And when you're coming, and even if it doesn't always work out, they just know that you have their best interest. So yeah. it's got to be, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be a two-way street. For sure. And everything comes full circle, like you said. Full I mean, circle. 1, it'll come right back around. Yeah. Um, but off of that, too, kind of similar. Um, again, there's a bunch of big opportunities for you at an early stage, you know, then uh, throughout the years, like NBA All-Star Weekends and, and BET Music Award parties, like I saw. And just like the list goes on. There's a ton of them, but um similar to that story that could be the story but what is i guess like your welcome to the industry moment where it could have been like you know you realize like wow this is this is going to be my career i'm going to make a living off of this um it, it could be that same story you know or you elaborate off that one or if there's something different that you think of when that question's asked like what's what comes to your um, mind um it's not a good question so i mean i think there's there's definitely points in my career that all led to where I'm at now. So I'm thinking like, mm. I can't like pinpoint. I think that, that was the, right, right. Like that was the catalyst. Like that was the thing that made me. Okay. So you know what? Let, let's add to that. So um, I have a manager. Um, his name is Kevin. Um, good friends of mine, you know, still really good friends. Like his family's like my family, but he's not a manager anymore, but we still hang out. And we're cool. So one day I'm sitting in my, um, I call him over and he's from, he's from actually from, from mass. So I told him I had an idea and <clears throat> we go downstairs in my basement and we literally, you know, where my DJ room is and I grab five boxes of records. I'm like, okay, we, I'm like, we got to do more. It just can't be like we're from Rhode Island. They're sending us stuff here. Like we've got to be in the industry. We got to get into the industry and be more noticeable. There needs to be, you know, these folks need to be able to place uh, face with the name just can't be finesse from Rhode Island. Like, who is this finesse guy? So we grab, I grab five boxes of records. So I grab Universal, I grab Interscope, I grab Sony, I grab Def Jam, and I grab Bad Boy Records. And we literally, this is literally, lay them on the floor and we're standing over them. I'm like, okay, who is the DJ who's known to be the DJ that represents these labels? And we did process of elimination. It was like, okay, we knew Clue was one, DJ Envy was another, you know, RIP DJ K Slay was another, you know, DJ Green Lantern was another. I'm like, okay, so those four guys were at those other four labels, and we got the bad boy. We're like, I don't know any like known industry, you know, DJ who's DJing for bad boy. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, we need to make that phone call. So I made the phone call. It would, you know, it would have the you know, attention who the, uh, who the, um, um, like who was in charge of, of that region. Um, his name was Henrock. So 
Uh, I called him up one day and said, hey, it's finesse. Like finesse, I'm like, yeah, what happened? He's like, oh, finesse, what's good? Everything good? I'm like, yo, don't send me any more records. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, 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 oh. like, oh, oh, bro, everything good? Like, what's going on? I said, listen, hold my records. I'll be there on Tuesday. I said, don't send them anymore. Just hold on to them. So we started going literally every other Tuesday. We would map out six labels. We call the labels. Don't send us the records. We'll be there on Tuesday. We would go and we would hop around every label, book bag, you know, record bag shake the hands, dap them up. What's up? It's, you know, finesse. Oh, okay. That's what's up, finesse, blase, blah. I mean, we're meeting Mano, like everyone, you know, people in and out. I mean, I remember having literally going into Jive Records and then burning me a copy of Chris Brown's Run It. And it had Run It in a Sharpie written on it. So it wasn't even official. Like, I got it that early. Wow. Like, bur a burned copy of Run It when it said Run It, Chris Brown. Yo, get this new kid, man. Teenager name is Chris Brown. Vanessa needs you to help, you know, break his record, blah, blah, blah. Literally. Like, it was that early, but going into these labels. And then it was just like, Bad Boy was just uh, my man, Rich Dollars. Um, he was in A&R, took over Henrock spots. So we just, we would go and go and go. And then one day, Rich was like, yo, man, just come upstairs, bro. We're not doing this no more. Like, he would come downstairs with the records. Things like, nah, we're not doing this, man. Come upstairs. You, you're out here too often. And you know, I remember just walking into, you know, the Bad Boy building. 17th floor, you come off the off the elevator, look to your right, it's Sean John. Look to your left, it's Bad Boy. And I'm like, dude, like we about to walk into Bad Boy Records, bro. Like the iconic, you know, Biggie, Craig Mack, like the locks, Mary J. Bly's total faith. Like you can go, like Mace, you can go on and on and on. I'm like, yo, bro, we about to walk into this label. Like they're bringing us here. Like we kind of made it, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, like, like we're here. So I think that that was the, like when you walked in in the big, big mural of Biggie and you're just sitting there and you're like, yo, bro, like, we're here, bro. Like, we, like, this is the I'm here moment. And then it was just a matter of, it was the same thing like special ed. So Rich was, um, I was talking to Rich and we're still cool this day. I've been on, you know, VH1 Love and Hip Hop with him. Um, I'm like, yo, who's who's holding down the label? He's like, nah, I've got a couple of DJs do some mixtapes, but like no one, no one really, really. I'm like, yo, I need that. I don't need a, I don't need no money. I just need, I need the branding. I need the cosign. Just you cosign me, I'll do the rest. That's all. I just need to, when people call, yo, that's, that's official DJ. That's our guy, DJ Finesse. That's all I need you to say. I'll take it from there. And again, the goal was, you know, now Rich is my guy. I'm booking Rich for everything. Bad Boy Takeovers, hosted by Rich Dollars. I'm, I'm paying his rent. Right. So now I go back to the office, all the other and I was like, yo, Finesse, what's up with us, man? You and Rich is running around the country doing this stuff. But Rich was my guy. Like Rich, like really, really, he was the guy that said, nah, man, come upstairs. We're doing this. We, we're doing that. And just took me in and showed mad love. So I had to show that back. So I think that was the I'm here moment. Yeah, those those men are always the best stories to hear. You know what I mean? Especially people I talk with in the NBA or, you know, coaches or stuff like that. It's like for me, I mean, you know, young up and coming uh, sports I guess uh, a broadcaster, you know, aspiring mm -hmm. broadcaster, you know, I'm trying to think of like moments like that where I've had it, you know, obviously I've had them in like internships and stuff, but you know, to hear big moments like that and to be able to be that close with yeah. that higher up yeah. people, man, it's like, it's yeah. inspiring too. You're right from, right from Rhode Island, like where I'm right from. from so it's, it's like anybody can do it. If you have that, uh, the mindset, the work ethic, that's why I keep a positive mindset every day. And that's why I'm trying to be as consistent as you, everybody that I talk to every single day, because it can happen, you know, it just like the people, you know, and, um, again, the drive that goes with it too.
Yeah, that, that that that's huge, man. Like the work works. Like we yeah. put in, like I put in, I just tell him my PR. I have a publicist, his name is Polar Scratch. He's amazing. Um, and you know, she's like, look, like we we are now like we're we're reintroducing or we're introducing the world to you because most of what you did was pre-social media. Right. So we didn't really we didn't capture everything the way you can capture everything today. Like you, you can be in an event right now. We can screenshot this right now. We can post it on IG. Like we didn't have that. Mm. So everything was like out, out of your trunk. It was like, you know, it was all face to face. It was, you know, if you had a camera way harder. <laughs> yeah. Like we yeah. didn't we couldn't like if you had a camera, you couldn't upload photos on the spot. No, you got to go home and send them to freaking CVS and get mm. them right. Oh, like we had hard, hard copy pictures. We didn't have digital cameras. We had like two-way pages. Like it didn't record video, didn't record pictures. So there's so much stuff that people don't even know because we couldn't, we, there was no place to post it. Mm. So now it's like, I'm going back now. And now she's like, we're going to play catch up. So like now, like being on your podcast, I did a podcast last night, literally. Um, I'm getting hit up by a lot of people because now there's, now the story's coming out via social media um stuff that we've done over the you know over the years and people are like yo this is an amazing story so i like to think that my story adds some value um but the work works like i was willing to drive anywhere i had to drive you know whether it be atlanta you know, all-star weekend you know philly you know open mic nights like new york city like anywhere i had to be i was willing to go i remember my man sean Prez was like finesse i feel like you're here every week i'm like yeah man because no one's coming to rhode island looking for me yeah, so if I, if I have to be here every week, like that's what he said. I feel like you're here every week, bro. I'm like, yeah, man. This is where it's at. This is the Mecca. So it's a three-hour drive. I'm out. If I got to be there, I got to be there. And that has paid off dividends beyond compare. Like just it has paid off the ROI on the, on those road trips and wherever we had to be for free. Um, that's why I'm here now. For sure. And and on your website, um, finishyourlifestyle.com, uh, all that stuff, all those accolades are all there. You know what I mean? There's the list goes on from, you know, doing parties alongside with Snoop Dogg, all-star weekends, all this kind of stuff. It's like, you wouldn't know that, but now that you're putting yeah. it online on social media, everybody, like people of my generation can see that and be inspired again. And um, yeah. I wanted to know, of course, those, those are big events. Those are like, uh, you know, I guess like, yeah, butterflies going into them. You're like, oh my God, this is, I got to like perform. Right. Um, yeah. a story that I like to ask people of, of that I've had those kind of cool experiences is a moment where that, that sticks out to you, maybe like where you messed up and maybe like only you really recognized it. And then maybe someone else didn't, but just an event in your head that you can remember that was very, very important. You know, like, Oh, I'm not on my game that this is not working, but it was a learning curve and you got better from that. Yep. I can, I know exactly. I remember going down to uh, Miami doing like the number one club was called mansion at the time. And I didn't really kind of understand the power of a rider contract and what you need to have in the contract that would allow you to perform your best. And I learned this from my man, Kid Capri. So I get to Miami um, on a Friday. I'm not DJing until Saturday. So we're hanging out all Friday, chopping up, having a great time. Me and my manager, uh, at the time was, my, I had two managers at the time. I was high maintenance. I needed two managers, right? So my manager, Alan, was down with me. Um, and I didn't know mansion. I know like, even the setup. So I get in the mansion on a Saturday and it's packed, man. It's the number one club in Miami. This is like, you know, years ago where Miami was just, it was just, it was model 
just beautiful people. It was just the place to be. Miami was just beautiful people. And this place is mobbed. And the turntables are on chains. And they're swinging a little bit. So I don't play on no damn turntables that swing. Like I've never played on these swings, but it wasn't that. I am the kind of DJ that I need a mic stand with a boom. So learning from Kid Capri, I'm always on the microphone and you can't be on the microphone holding it and still DJing. So the microphone with the boom allowed me to talk in the microphone like I'm doing right now and still use my hands and talk to the crowd and get them going and have the turntables and the mixer going. I didn't have the mic stand in my rider contract. Like that is literally my transitions come from my mouth. I'm talking people to you know, do this, throw your hands in the air and then drop a song. I couldn't do it with holding the mic. And so I feel like I bombed. I mm. absolutely, I think like, dude, dude, like you bombed that. Like it was nowhere near what I normally do. But he was like, yo, you have, he was, he was I don't care about nothing else in your rider contract. I don't care about liquor, food. You make sure that your mic stand with the boom is in your contract because that is what we do. Like the, all the DJs like to talk like this, that's great for them. We throw parties. We are MCs that DJ and we use our mouth as our mouthpiece to, to galvanize the crowd. And you cannot have this thing mess up because you don't think to put it in your rider contract. So now I don't care. Like that mic stand in the boom has got to be at any place that I'm DJing. If I don't, if, if I can't, you know, if I'm going out of state, you know, I have mine is in my trunk. It doesn't even leave the trunk of my car, literally. Um, but if it's someplace where I have to fly, whatever else, they have to have that. I don't care about nothing else because I know like how uncomfortable I felt that time and just knowing you got this crowd and you're not on top of your game. It's like, yo, it was your one shot to just kill this Miami crowd and you didn't do it. Mm. So yeah, learning curve on that one. Yeah, and it, like it goes goes back to what you said about uh, you value uh, fails more than wins because you learned so much off of that. And now again, like you said, you don't go anywhere without that boom, without that stand. So like it goes, oh, yeah, you gotta you gotta fail to learn how to win. And I, I'm a big preacher of that too. Yeah, um, with everything that I've done. But um, going off of that, I guess um, you know this is a sports based podcast, and like I said from the beginning, uh, you know, knowing you from the Friars games and and being in that atmosphere of the dunk before now the amp. Um, and again, with John Hope as the MC, he was the best. And I've actually been able to get a little bit of a, of a relationship with uh, Josh Flanagan, um, the new the new MC. And I've known him for about a year now. Uh, we've been on some podcasts together. He's he's amazing. He's a great guy, another Rhode Island born guy. Um, before we get into, yeah, mm-hmm. before we get into um, like what it is like now at the amp. Uh, just talk about that overall experience, starting off how it happened, and again how that opportunity came to you. Yeah, I think there's a common theme, right, with relationships. <laughs> mm. So um, our, you know, God rest his soul, our head coach for Rick, when I was in college, used to be an assistant uh, men's basketball coach at PC. So Jimmy Adams, right, God rest his soul, he was an assistant men's coach at Providence College with, with Dave Gavitt. Um, so we used to literally do PC camps. That's the way we got paid, right, during the summertime we would – Connected, hey, you guys want to do camps? Like, hell yeah, let's do some camps. We, you know, get paid, we stay around basketball. So, um, I was self employed at the time, and, you know, Steve Knapp, who was now the AD, like a lot of us used to play pickup basketball Tuesdays and Thursdays around noon at PC. 
So I got to, you know, get in good with those guys, just, you know, literally playing every, every day, Tuesday, Thursday from like, you know, that was their lunchtime. Um, and Steve Knapp was, I forget what his role was then, but nowhere near obviously what he is now. Um, so I've known Steve since we were playing pickup basketball. And then um, uh, my friend's Phil Seymour. Uh, Phil was, uh, when I first met him, he was assistant men's basketball. So one day um, at, uh, at, um, at the gym and I'm on, I'm on the shooting gun. I'm getting some reps up because, you know, I'm self-employed. So as a self-employed DJ, <laughs> my job is at night, right? So daytime was my time to do whatever. So I always get some work in there and get some, get some, um, you know, some workouts in. And so John Lenahan and Phil Seymour are walking across the, the court towards me and he's got some PC gear. Phil has PC gear in his, in his arm. I never, I knew John, but never met Phil. So he introduces himself. Hey man, it's coach Seymour, you know, assistant men's basketball um, coach. I want to just give you some gear. He was like, I was in the club this past Saturday and you had me doing the ride around. This is literally what he said. He goes, you had me doing the ride around. I said, what's the ride around? He goes, you know, when you leave the club and you don't really want to go home, you just keep riding around the club. <laughs> he goes, you had me so amped up that I was doing the ride around. He goes, yo, we got to get you here to DJ. So here you go again, chance meeting, right? And I still, I have to believe that if I wasn't a decent person and my interaction with these folks, that none of this would have happened, right? If I wasn't approachable or wasn't, you know, a pre, you know, approach that with gratitude and humility, it wouldn't happen. So um, he put a few phone calls in and ended up starting to do their, their late night madness. And at the time it was called midnight madness, right? So they changed yeah. the name. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I ended up going to a UConn game with my son, UConn game when he was probably 12. I go back to PC and I'm like, yo, I'm like, I'm like, they got a live DJ. I'm like, you guys need to get me down here live. And so they brought me to, I think when every year PC does, um, uh, I think it's the, the women's basketball, they do a game where they bring all the middle schools into the, um, into into the gym and so they brought me to do that live and i just kind of walked around and grabbed the names and was emceeing shouting the schools out so they saw i was kind of really good on the mic as well and then they brought me down to to do a game at the dunk um but they had me sitting at the head table so it was frank carpano mm -hmm. and then myself they had no turntables just a mixer and a computer i'm just pressing buttons i'm like Say so no. it was, it's, nah, <laughs> yeah. nah, and it's cool, right? I'm front, I'm at the head table with Frank. Uh, it's cool, but I'm like, this ain't it, man. I'm like, listen, you gotta get me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That order, order of events, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, so I'm like, you gotta get me live. So they let me go live one time. It was, I think, it was a um, I forget who we played. I forget who we played. It was a home game. Went live, and it, we just crushed it. It was really good. Um, and then that was it. That was literally 12 years ago. So this is my 13th year. So once I went live with turntables, I think they got to see what the crowd was, you know, how they were responding to actually having a DJ and the visibility factor that worked as well. So it wasn't just the music, but it was, oh, shoot, PC's got a live DJ. And no one, I know, I know you, you kind of have one, but I haven't seen anyone else. I know that sometimes the pros did. I think um, Miami Heat had one. But I didn't see a lot of live DJs doing it. So we were kind of ahead of the curve um, in the Big East. At the time, UConn, remember, UConn wasn't in the Big East anymore. 
they was they was I think the Continental whatever they was the other they came back to the Big East. So realistically, once I started DJing, I think that I was PC had like the first like live DJ on the floor with turntables and everything else. So oh, yeah, chance meeting right Phil Seymour, and then you know again being someone that just wanted to add some value and and think that I could just really do something that was really beneficial to the culture. Um, and had those conversations, and then it was, you know, not just taking sitting at the table like no 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 this ain't it like this is cool but this is not it um, yeah and then it was you know harry and i just kind of really steamrolling that thing and really thinking it through and how we wanted to really inject some hip-hop into the culture of of providence college yeah and like you said connections goes a long way that's yeah that's been like the the narrative of, of what we've been talking about but all day um, how how different is that from like you know the events you've done in the past obviously that was your claim to fame and um, obviously it's, it's still in, in your background and stuff like that. But like, how different was it to adjust? Was there any kind of adjustment or was it kind of like, oh, I'm doing the same thing I'm doing every other night? No, you know? definitely in game is different, man. Cause you're not just, you know, uh, I think the beauty about the beauty about PC and um, um, Katie was doing it first before, um, you know, it was Katie, then B-Cat, um, now Audrey's there. Um, the beauty about Katie at the time was, you know, she never, um, she never handheld, like she never, like, she never, never tied my hands as far as like what I could play. I think the adjustment was understanding the game and timing. So a couple of times I caught myself like watching the game. I'm still a ball player. So when it's time to play music, I'm kind of watching. I'm like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta yeah. play something. Right. So you kind of have to get familiar with the game and then familiar with, you know, the ebbs and flows of the game when kind of like, so now it's like, I know when the timeout's coming. Like I know when, you know, either we're going to call one because they've gone on a run or they're going to call one because, because we've gone on a run. That's not an official, um, you know, media timeout. Like I just know when a coach is going to call timeout. Like I, I got it. So as far as knowing the ebbs and flows and being prepared and, and my timing and just being different and adding some certain sound effects uh, to, you know, some of the, the pregame stuff, it just made it a little bit different and a lot more hip hop instrumentals what they're coming out to. So it was really, um, you know, I think we've grown. I think I've grown over the last, you know, 12, 13 years, but I, but I definitely don't want to be the same guy every year. So I'm kind of always trying to push the envelope. Like what can I do differently? What music can I play that's different? I'm open to different ideas. I'm not just not the guy that says I'm finesse, you know, but something, no, no. Um, whatever we can do to make this the best experience for every, you know, PC fan, you know, someone, someone is, is, is coming to a PC game for the first time. Mm -hmm. Right. And someone's going to hear DJ finesse for the first time. So my thing is I've got to be on point. I want to make their experience where they go away and they say, you look, you got to go to a PC. So that's, yeah. that was always Harry, you know, our goal where people walk away saying it ain't a game anymore. It's, it's an event. It's an experience. It's not, it's mm -hmm. not a basketball game. Like going to PC games, it's an event. It is no longer a basketball game. So I think that we've created that kind of uh that kind of culture down there at the, at the dunk and the amp now. Yeah, and I've been able to talk with Harry a lot too and, and build a relationship with him. He said I, I've watched his documentary. He said the same thing. You guys want to make it like an event, and it, it was so right. cool and eye opening to see that because growing up in in the dunk, like um, obviously it, it was always great, but it's just it's changed in such a great way. Uh, yeah. Looking at it now, and, and the students too, man. I mean, yeah. it's just like you know, I think that you know, look, people could. I've gotten people said, man, I, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't think you'd be this cool, you know. So like, yeah, like what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> yeah, like you know, like I don't, 
I'm not on some pedestal, man. Like I'm, I'm mm. born and raised here in East Providence, right? I will never be, you know, something that I'm not. I can't, I just can't do it. I don't live my life like that. You know, my wife knows and, you know, she thinks I'm too approachable. Right, just thinks because she's like, you know, we, we go someplace like we can never just get out. You got to say hi to everyone. You got to say, but that's that's just me. So I think that like even being in the student section and being approachable and you know dapping students up and just always you know if they ask for certain songs, I try to play certain songs and because it's not about me, it's about these twelve thousand people, right? I'm just one guy that's trying to galvanize twelve thousand people. Some will like hip hop, some like country, some like rock and roll like so how do i get them all to feel like we're friar town and it's yeah. right so you got to be approachable you got to be engaging and then you know play what you think is right for everybody how did that taylor swift song come about is, was that before you or did you come no, up with that? that that was so another great question dude <laughs> um so uh brian b cat he's no longer here um about six six seven years ago probably about six years ago, he comes to me and he says, Finesse, like, you know, is there a song we can play that's going to galvanize, that's going to really get these people together that they'll all do one thing? And I, I figured, I'm like, B-Cat, like, no, like, I don't think there is. You, we've got black people, white people, Italian, Jewish, Irish, you know, um, Latino, like we got, we got, it's a melting pot of PC fans, right? That all create this experience. I'm like, but you've got, you know, six-year-old grandkids and 80-year-old grandparents. Like, what, what's that song that they're going to relate to? I'm like, there's going to be something we can do. So it was literally, I went to Harry one day. I said, yo, this is what we're going to do. I said, make them, make them stand up before jump ball. Let's make them stand up and they don't sit down until we score. But that was my idea. Like, so that, that now that's become tradition mm -hmm. or ritual. Like, that was Finesse's idea. Make them stand up. And they don't sit down until we score. And then we're going to do it again before jump ball halftime. So that was one thing. Now, the Taylor Swift was, um, just kind of give you some context. So I think it was URI game, ironically. URI game. And three young ladies come to me and say, can you play Taylor Swift? You, you belong with me. I'm like, mm. I'm like, yeah, it's not a hype song, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like turn down for what, you know? you know, whoop, there it is, or whatever it might be, you know, DMX, you know, up in here. Like, I'm like, ah, I'm like, I don't know. So I didn't play it at first. And then, um, sorry, I'm just, just, and then three more came and said, can you play Taylor Swift? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know what, man? I think we're up 20. Like, sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cam, I apologize. I think we were up 20. I'm like, you know what? It don't even matter now. And so, again, I didn't tell, you know, I'm in the headset. I didn't say anything. So we went on a run. And you're right, called timeout. And I'm pretty sure it was your right. Could be wrong. Don't quote me. But I played, I just thought, you know, played Virginia Taylor Swift. And in the head said, they're like, Finesse, what are you doing? Like, they literally said, what are you doing? I'm like, yo. I'm like, yo, we're up 20. Six girls asked me for it. Let's, let's see what goes on. And within seconds, we're like, we're looking back into the crowd. And we're like, oh, my God. And the whole place went crazy they're like finesse i'm in the headset they're like you're a genius i'm like oh 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 oh, oh. i can't take credit that's mm -mm. not my thing i'm like six pc students six girls asked for it i just went with it they're like and that became the thing where now like every game every home game at some point in time 
I'm going to play Taylor Swift. So now it's kind of like, you know, second half. But now, like, I'm, I'm looking for a run. Because, uh, you know, it just sometimes it doesn't happen. Like, if we're, if we're having a bad game, like, we don't have the runs, right? So now it might not – it might be first half. But once we go on a run, a big run, I'm dropping Taylor Swift. Everybody's expecting it, too. That's great. And I get texts <laughs> like, yo, Taylor Swift, right? Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swift, that's right, Taylor Swift. So, yeah, that's, that's how it happened. It was just, you know, by chance. Yeah, and I know you got to go in a few minutes. I just wanted to give you uh, give you your flowers on uh, you know your your authored book, uh, personal to purpose. Uh, came out a few years ago, um, and we get a chance to talk about it. But I just wanted to uh, give you your flowers for that, and also the podcast that you started up, uh, finesse with special guests. That, that's amazing, and you can all go find that on uh, finesseyourlifestyle.com. Um, a bunch of different accolades that we didn't get to talk to about today, but we got a great conversation in with DJ Finesse um, to kind of just wrap things up with the Friar stuff and the podcast in general. Um, your most memorable game you worked at and just overall in general, what'd you think of Camp's Corner? Oh, listen, great questions. Great podcast. I mean, you're doing amazing things. Uh, I have no problem, like, you know, just uh, suggesting more people to come on this podcast. And I think you're giving people a great space to really uh, introduce themselves or even, you know, get through what they're working on. And I think you have you, you, some great questions, dude. Like, like really good questions. Um, and I would probably say like the PC thing is probably that, like that Taylor Swift game, man. Like just something that was not planned that just turned into uh, a legacy moment, man, you know, for for Providence College and that whole culture um, to the point where like she sent guitar picks, like she sent guitar picks to us. Like it, it got to wow. her. Wow. Yeah. So she sent t-shirts, like still 22, sent guitar picks. I think it was like, like 30. I gave them out to the girls. They were crying. It was, it was crazy. Um, that's probably like the most memorable game. Um, there are even when we won the, the Big East Championship, right? Outright, as far as you know, rushing the floor, being a part of that. Um, so I think there's been some really good times there, man. So I hope we hope to create more this season. Yeah, I just wanted to say I appreciate you again for hopping on, taking the time. I know you got a super busy, busy schedule, as all my guests do. I mean, it's just a great, great honor and pleasure to, to have you on, sit you down, and uh, go through your whole career. So thank you again. Was there anything you want to close off on to cap off the episode? No, just keep doing your thing, brother. Keep doing your thing. You're doing a great job with, with uh, your podcast, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. I appreciate it, Finesse. And uh, keep tuning into episodes of Camps Corner, guys. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. My guy. Honor break.